Welcome to the 200% Life Podcast with Adam Hergenrother and Caitlin Frotland, where we bring you weekly insights into spiritual growth and business success. Well, uh, today we're super excited. Uh, we have a new voice. You may have heard her name mentioned over the last, I don't know, three or four or five episodes. And if you've been listening to us for a long time, right, Caitlin, you have probably heard her name a couple years ago during our podcast as well, too. Caitlin has worked for us, what was it? Was it three years, two years? How long ago was it? Yeah, two, two, three years. Two, three years, somewhere around there. And then became a new mom, took a break, and is back. So congratulations. We're super excited to have you. I'm excited to have Caitlin on team. I'll let her introduce herself for a little while for a couple of reasons. One, she is very deep on her own path and loves the the trajectory of where the organization not necessarily is just going but just the path in terms of like how you can help others find more inner peace i'm kind of paraphrasing now for you but i know that's really really important to you uh, so i think it's also a great example of how you can bring businesses together that are also conscious because i think we do a pretty good job of trying to navigate the challenges of business and at the same time you know having to how do you how do you practice that on a daily basis? Because isn't that the fundamental question? You and I were just chatting before this, right? It's like, like the fundamental question is like a lot of people realize they want to do this deep inner work and they really, they can sense that there's something off with the directions they're going. They mean, again, everyone has a little different dawning. They sense it a little bit differently. And yet at the same time, um, they're like, well, how do I, how do I deal with this world? Right. And that's why, you know, we released the 200% life book as a model for that. But I know that you practice that. And it's something that when, when we first got together years ago for working together as a, as a shared philosophy. And so here we are, you're going to be jumping in for the podcast. Now we love Hallie, but Hallie was very gracious to give this seat over to you as a way of, of kind of expanding this level of conversation with it. And the way we're going to really, well, let me just pause right there and turn it over to you. So Caitlin, welcome. Thank you. I am really excited to be here. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, as you were speaking, what just came to mind was I remember, I don't know, 15 years ago at this point, Mm -hmm. I was working at a publishing company and was first introduced to Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. And it was mind blowing for me. I mean, really like just opened up a whole part of life that I had never seen before. And then I remember my first question was, how do I apply this at work? Because that's where yeah. I'm spending all my time, you know. Isn't that funny how that was your first thought, too? Yeah. I know. And I remember searching Amazon, which looked totally different back then, you know, <laughs> yes, I don't know. And for books, and there was like a consciousness at work book, and it was, it, it was helpful-ish, yeah. you know, but yeah. it, it was the start of a, like, living this question for yeah. a really long time. How do you actually apply this in your day-to-day life? Yeah. And then when I became a parent, I was like, how do I apply this here? (laughs) And I am asking that question every day. So I'm just happy to be here and diving into these questions with you and having the opportunity to just bring up, like have this conversation um, and bring all these questions that are constantly coming up. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. And from our listeners, right? And and I think because that's the the number one question we get is just like, okay, all right, when the rubber is hitting the road, like what is it, how do we actually do this? What is it? And and, and the answer is similar to the same, but I think people just need to hear that a lot. One of the things that you did was to try to bring some structure over the next couple of weeks too. So talk to us about, we're going to be diving into what's called spirituality one-on-one. And I know that it was your brainchild behind it to kind of create this. Kind of walk me through your thought process before we jump kind of into spirituality one-on-one. 
Sure. So I think there are a lot of spiritual concepts out there, and we are so lucky to live in a time period where people are talking about this often. And if you choose to follow the podcast and read the books, you can be totally immersed in this stuff, which is, I think, a real gift of the time period that we live in. Um, But it's a lot. And it's if you don't have a particular model that you're following, and we were talking about that a little bit, um, you can have a lot of questions that just like that we're laying a foundation, a framework, like where are we going? What is this work doing? What's some common language that we're using here? And people too are different teachers are using the same language, but sometimes a little bit differently. They are. And that can be confusing. Yes. So thought process was, can we just establish like some common ground here to move forward from? Yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't thought about it from that angle, but there are, I mean, every teacher in, in kind of the personal spiritual realm points to the same thing but they actually use different words whereas like in finance there's a set of words that are agreed upon like what net income is or what EBITDA is or like what you know that is I guess leadership has a little bit more abstract concepts and I think that's one of the challenges with with spirituality and why people need to be reminded of it so much is because it's not necessarily physical in the way that we like to grab things so if you can find a rudimentary way of kind of explaining things to be able to go back at allows you to continue to do deep inner work so what is what is the first spirituality 101 what are we going to jump into all right so there's this concept of surrender right yes. and we talk about our youth. lot yes, yes it comes up a lot we hear it a lot you talk about it a lot but then there i think the first question that a lot of people have is does that mean I just say yes to everything? Am I surrendering to life? Do I have no personal will? Do I just show up and anytime somebody says something, I say yes. And if it feels awful inside and I really don't want to say yes to something, do I still say yes anyway? Is that what surrender is? So yeah, I guess what's the difference between surrendering to life and saying yes to everything in life? Yeah, that's the the fundamental question when people start turning the, and orient themselves ter- towards this path. We've seen it in Project U over the last five years with the groups that have come in. We in the spirituality sessions on this and, and Project U Unbound is all about spirituality. And it's this, this I, you can see it in people's eyes. When they finally get, they're kind of like surrender and they go, what am I going to do, Adam? Just like surrender. And they throw their hands up. They literally like put their hands to the side. Like, what am I going to do? Surrender? Like, why would I get out of bed? Why would I do anything? Why would I get married? And the fundamental thing is, is surrendering. You're never surrendering to life. Or, I'm sorry, you're not, what you're surrendering to is you're surrendering your, to your, your reaction to life. That's like a key difference between this. So when, when the moment is happening, the moment's happened, right? So whatever's happened in the past, nobody's ever been able to change. You can learn from the past and bring that forward, which you should do, right? But the minute the moment happens, what you're taking care of first is you, meaning that you have to put yourself into a position where you are okay to handle what is happening outside. Because if you're bothered by the situation and then you're taking your botheredness to the situation, you're not sure, does it go away? Do you maybe solve the problem? Yes, but not to the highest degree that you could if you got rid of yourself first and then showed up to solve the problem. One of the ways that I think this is easier too for people in business to understand is I always like to give this analogy is if I always ask like, have you ever coached anybody and not been rewarded for it at all? Like provided advice to somebody that maybe, you know, read a blog of yours or book or just kind of ran, reached out because they knew that you were successful in some realm of what you've done. And they've said, Hey, can I have 30 minutes of your time? And you go, sure. And they ask you a question and they, they're asking you a business question, what should you do? And you can respond to that without any hesitation. 
it's very clear because you're not tied any way to this individual, right? You're not bothered by the conversation. So it could be as like, what do I do with this employee? How do I, how do I be a steward of my money over here? Whatever the situation is, you're able to actually show up there with clarity and you're able to handle the coaching call differently and you say things and you talk to them differently than you would when you're bothered by the situation. If you're worried about an employee leaving or you're worried about, you know, what's going to, what their response is going to be to a different direction you're going people naturally hold on to that and they don't say everything that they should. So again, they're not getting to the full extent. Conversely, on the other side, maybe you don't care about what they think or don't care about it and you say everything that you can on that side. Again, in either one of these cases, you're still allowing that emotion of I'm better or that emotion of what if they leave or whatever those things are to dictate how you interact with the world. So what you're really doing is when you, when you use the word surrender, you're surrendering to that part of you that is not okay with what's happening. Because there is a part of you that is just not okay with what's happening, right? There's a part of you that is disturbed from the moments that are happening that you get to experience. And what most people end up doing their entire life is when they get disturbed, they then go to the mind, which is the part that's disturbed anyways, the psyche, the ego, whatever you want to refer to it as. The mind itself then gets disturbed and you're going to it. That's the problem. You're going to the problem asking it to solve itself, which it won't. And so then it just tells you something to go do. Like, if, oh, if you go move to Florida, Caitlin, take care of it all, right? If you go move, if I just go sit in the Himalayans for a little while, like people did years ago, like I'll go sit in a cave, it's going to be wonderful, right? No, like that's not going to solve the problem. So what ends up happening is you end up using the energies that are disturbed to guide your life, which is why people feel inauthentic. They feel inauthentic or they feel like they're going in the wrong direction because their actions up to this point have been guided by the lowest part of themselves. So surrender is the basis of this. The other way you could say this is like present moment or awakening. Those to me are all meaning the same thing because when you're in the present moment, you can't, when you're truly in the present moment, you are clear, right? Because you're in the moment dealing with it. It doesn't mean that if you're being chased by a tiger that your heart rate's going to be 30, right? You're sure if you're getting chased by a tiger, you're probably going to run or fight or do something, but you're going to be in the moment, right? Conversely, if you're in a in an important business meeting and maybe it's high stakes or whatever it is, it doesn't mean that you can't be present. You may be feeling the anxiousness, but it's not overcoming you anymore. That's when you surrender. It doesn't mean life loses its juice. It just means that you're no longer so attached to the juice that it's guiding every direction of your life. So this this act of surrender, this act of present moment, I love the word surrender. But people think it as like a passivity thing. They think that instantly if I'm surrendering, the life's going to walk all over me. In fact, one of the most important things you can do is when you truly surrender, you realize that life has been guiding you your entire time. And then you can always remind people, I said this on a podcast last week, it's like people get stuck with this word surrender, but I'm like, look, you're surrendering to 99.9% of everything else right now. Like nobody's making the sun come up. Nobody's making your heartbeat. I'm like, you're not doing any of that. You're not making your pancreas secrete. You're not making the 23 trillion cells in your body, you know, move your entire system. Like you're not making your eyes be able to see or the fact that you can hear this remotely, you know, miles and miles away. You're not doing any of that, right? That's all surrender. So you're actually surrendering to 99% of life because it's not bothering you, right? But there's, then you get down to these five things that happen that really bother you, that we really have to work on. That's where the real work of being here comes in. The real spirituality work or like the business is a conduit for your personal growth because that is when, the, when, when moments are happening that bother you, that's when you get the chance to relax, release, surrender to that moment, then take the action, right? I actually heard Michael Singer, and I know you have a, a couple of paragraphs you want to read 
from the surrender experiment because I think they tie well into this. But I heard him say the other day, he's like, people always write to me from all over the world. I don't know if you heard this the other day when he said this. He's people write to me from all over the world and he and he they always ask, and then what? And he goes, I always tell you, it's take care of yourself and then take the action, right? So he I feel like he he could for some reason he does not like to take in that path of really going beyond that one approach because I think he wants to leave it you said that earlier, right? Leave it open a little bit. But there's, it's never about not dealing with life. It's never about not having a vacation or, or firing somebody or hiring somebody or investing money or not investing money or having fun or getting coffee, right? It's got nothing to do with that. Those are all to me, I think when you, were, when you say, I can't go on vacation because I'm going on the spiritual path, that is the same thought as I'm going to go on vacation because I need to get away. Like it's, just, it's still a thought that you're taking action on. When you surrender, and that's why Michael wrote his book, The Entire Surrender Experiment, it's, he, he doesn't say yes to many things in there. In fact, when I visited him, one of the things he said to me was, he's like, they wanted me to fly out and meet with Oprah to do a thing. And he's like, I'm just not going to do it. And actually he goes, <laughs> I said, he goes, they wanted me to reach out to Oprah because I had a relationship with her. He goes, I'm not going to do it either. He goes, I'm just not going to do it. And then the publishers reached out to him and she said, yeah, I'd love to do it. And she's like, we'll fly him out there, you know, right. They could easily fly privately in any way he wanted to. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And so it's not about, so I just use that as a great example of like, he didn't say yes to that stuff. And he's like, it's just not my nature to want to do those things. I'm just very private and this stuff. And so I said, well, how did you do the interview? He goes, well, I drove to a, a studio about 10 minutes from my house that they outfitted with special equipment that needed to come in there from Oprah. And I ended up doing the, the interview there. That's why I love him. Like, yeah, it's, I'm an introvert and I love that, yes. you know. I'm not going to go to Oprah's. I'm more comfortable in my local studio. <laughs> it's because I think it's, and if you, if you, people have met him, like, I think he also just, just, he doesn't, there's no person that is like, he is higher to than, than the next person. Yeah. So to him, it's like, they all essentially from a, from a stance point of like their connection is they're all, they're all the same. Like he met my entire family and he treated them all in, in the same capacity that you treat anybody. Yeah. Which is was just really interesting. Do you think that he doesn't go because he's so committed to his spiritual practices that he doesn't want to? I asked him that too. I think it's he does travel when he he's, he's like I just traveled for a funeral and I was like that's a little different. He goes well no these people are dying all the time and he goes but this one it was important for me to be there so I got on a plane and went over to it and he's like it's not like I don't travel. He's like I go to the grocery stores like everyone else does and. And it's just, he's just like, it's just for, he's like, it's just, and that's when he went in the conversation. It's just like in my nature that I'm an introverted individual must've been some past life karma or whatever it was. But I, I think that's, I think what, I think he really brought the word surrender to this. But again, for thousands of years, they've been pointing in that same direction of what surrender means. But that's really, it's not about saying yes to everything. Cause that's where I think people have this fear, including me, right. Of when you truly surrender to life, you're like, so you're just going to be pulled in the whims of everything and just run over and dragged through like the mud, right? There's, that's that image that kind of goes in your head, which is the furthest from the truth, right? In fact, that's why he tried, he wrote this book of the surrender experiment of showing what would happen when he actually surrendered, you know? Yeah, right. Well, so you're talking really about this inward surrender, yes. right? And so there's that. But then he did write this book, The yes. Surrender Experiment. And yes. I mean, if you read it, it's a page turner because yes. then life unfolds and it's just, I mean, beyond in his words his wildest dreams yes. you know of what would ever happen so yeah how do you reconcile both of those that like the inward surrender but then there seems to be once you do that this pull of life that's guiding you and that too is a form of surrender and maybe now i'll just read yeah, his, read his words 
So what we have here is the basis for an amazing experiment. At the heart of the experiment is a simple question. Am I better off making up an alternate reality in my mind and then fighting with reality to make it be my way? Or am I better off letting go of what I want and serving the same forces of reality that managed to create the entire perfection of the universe around me? This experiment would not be about dropping out of life. It would be about leaping into life to live in a place where we are no longer controlled by our personal fears and desires. For lack of a better name, I have called this the surrender experiment. And to the best of my ability, I have devoted the last 40 years of my life to seeing where this flow of life's events would naturally take me. What happened over the course of these four decades is nothing short of phenomenal. Not only did things not fall apart, apart quite the opposite happened as one thing naturally followed the other the flow of life's events led me on a journey that would have been beyond my comprehension this book shares that journey with you so that you can experience what happened when someone dared to let go and trust the flow of life then there's a second part i want to come back to but i'm going to pause there yeah. for a second because that's a lot yeah it is a lot and i think that's what he's describing is kind of what i tried to say earlier um he just put it into words better about like life is everything the why you're here is from life and so like why argue with what life knows versus again creating a alternate reality in your head which is what people are doing based on your lower energies because you're not okay and then trying to go out there and serve that master right that's what people i mean the ego is a two-year-old toddler that's spoiled right that's literally what it is and it's and if you pay attention to it it's constantly telling you what to do so when we surrender it's, and again, like, and he uses in this example in his book, like he went out to the woods to be by himself. And then people started like building shelters next to him. Right. Like, and again, that ended up turning into his temple of the universe, but he's, he said every part of him was screaming inside of like, they can't do this. They shouldn't be doing this. And he just kept surrendering to, to that part of him. And then I think the distinction is, is when that is gone, the decision outwardly becomes easier. Mm. So I think that is the connection point of once that is con is clear the decision just like the advice to that entrepreneur who's asking you for 30 minutes becomes clear because you're not bothered and then it looks more like surrender outwardly but what's happening really is you're surrendering inwardly which makes it easier to make the decisions outwardly yeah so it's not as much as a surrender outwardly because when you surrender inwardly again just like you, you surrender to the weather because the weather is what it is you're naturally saying yes or no to things because it becomes clear and undisguised right now when people are looking at it from the veil of my lower self or this desire this personal desire or personal fear of things you see it not fully for what it is or just tree right that's where that whole thing comes yeah. in yeah so going back to the example of people moving on to his land because i mean he went out to the woods to meditate be by himself so let's just dig into that one a little bit so people show up he's pissed off he doesn't want people yes. around so he watches that energy Let's it release. Yes. I mean, of course, we're never going to know, but let's just yes. like to break out the process. So then there's a clarity inside where you can actually see the situation. Okay, people are coming here because they're attracted to the work yes. that's happening here. Is this really as bad as my personal mind makes it out to be? And then there is a decision to make from that place versus just the reacting, I don't want this to be happening. And from that clearer place, then maybe the decision is just made. Yeah. Yes. This is what's happening and I don't have to fight it. It's not, I'm not in personal danger. There's exactly. nothing to defend. Like, okay, this is just the next step. 
Yeah, they show up for it. exactly right. They want to come out here and be in the woods too, and they like what we're doing and like what we're talking about. And the contrary to that, they're you know then they just started raising money and doing different things. And he was building a time, and he kept buying land to add more land to his acreage to have more privacy and and, and also more spots in there. But if you remember, like there used there there was like a big conversation about putting in a garbage facility mm-hmm. or a dump near their land, which they did fight. Yeah. Right. So again, he let go of that and then was like, it's very clear that that's not in alignment with what we are. So they, he talks all about it in his book. Right. right. So it's not just about saying yes. And then, okay, this is going to happen. I just think it's important to, that he showcases in there that it is also like you can stand up for things that you don't think that are appropriate, but you do it. You don't do it from a, a lower energy. He's a, you know, he talks a lot about, you know, people that are, you know, want to fight against people who want wars or different things like that. And he's like, yeah, it's a great cause. We understand that. But you being all riled up and yelling at a person is the same thing as them going out there and wanting to start a war. He's like, you're starting a war with an individual. So if you're starting a war with an individual, then how can you be any better? And because he really puts it to him that way. And I think that's, that's a great way of kind of seeing it is that, so it's not a, it's always the same point for surrender, which is, are you okay first? Mm. Are you okay first? I had a, a, dear friend, but also a longtime business partner was going through a very tough challenging with their daughter. And one of the questions they asked when this first started coming up to like, you know, how do I deal with this? I'm just so angry and so mad. And I, my, my response was surrender. I didn't say that. What I said was you need to let go of this part of you that's angry and mad. I understand. I don't mean let go. Like you try to make it go away. I mean, you be okay with it being within you. And the minute you can do that, then you fight like hell. Mm. And that was her, her mantra the entire time was, and she goes, the energy would come up, it'd get angry and irritated and frustrated and then feel like she did something wrong as a mom, all this stuff, right? Let go of that. You surrender to that part of you and then fight like hell. And sure enough, I mean, you know, I don't remember how many months it was after that. Her, her daughter moved back in with her and, and for years now it's been a completely different relationship and it, and it really pulled them back. And she, she comes back to the fact that if she wasn't able to surrender, then act, none of this would have happened. And just another great example of that. So it's never, ever about not taking massive action at all. It's always about making sure you're clear so you can see the, see as clearly as you can, as life can show you what the next step is to make the next best move for Again, for life, not just for you, because that's most decisions that people are making is how do I make this feeling inside me go away, which is I need to avoid what I don't want or go get what I want, and then I'll temporarily feel okay. What you're doing is you're removing that dialogue, and then you're going out there and you're serving or helping the moment from surrendering to I don't need to feel okay from this moment. I don't need to feel better about myself from this moment. So therefore, I'm going to approach the moment with clarity and serve at the highest that I can. Okay. So it's like there's the internal surrender. That's yeah. kind of like step one. And you let that all go through. Whatever, you do what you need to do to surrender to whatever you're feeling inside. Yes. Then with that comes clarity. You can actually see reality to some extent. You're not looking at it through your mind and thinking about how it needs to be different for you to be okay. Now yeah. you can just see it. And then when you're just seeing it, Life, it's clear what life is asking of you. And that's surrendering to the larger flow of life. Yes, that's exactly right. Yes, And again, it becomes undisguised. 
could they just be like two different terms because <laughs> I, I feel like internal surrender and yeah. then surrendering to the big whole of life it kind of gets a little confusing oh know? it's it's almost like it is almost it does it can be confusing but it's it's almost the same concept though or it's the same yeah. principle because when you surrender to yourself you're actually surrendering to all of life yeah you see what i mean like the, you actually you fall directly into life the minute you don't you're no longer in what you read earlier you're no longer creating an alternative reality. You actually end up falling into the surrender of what life's going to do anyways. And this is why spirituality is so tricky because just when you think you have understand a concept, <laughs> you realize, oh wait, there's like 10 more layers yes. of this yes. that I was not seeing the first time. But yeah, so when you're surrendering to what's on the inside, it's really, you're surrendering to a feeling, a thought. It's the same as surrendering to the person driving slowly in exactly. front of you. It's just one more thing arising in your awareness. Yes. It's kind of like going to the untethered soul, like that people I think sometimes miss the 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 title of that book, which is the untethering of your soul, which if you've heard Michael talk about this before, which is the because I mean I think he really termed the 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 phrase surrender. So why we're talking yeah. about him so much right now. Like it, it's when he talks about the untethering of the soul he goes on to explain that the minute you've cut your rope, like you untether it, you don't have to do anything more because it's like, if you, if there's not a, if there's a hot air balloon with a bunch of hot air in there and it's currently tethered, if you cut the rope, you don't have to do anything anymore. It naturally goes up. And it's the same thing with you. The minute you surrender or let go of that lower energy, you don't have to do anything more because you naturally fall back into place. Mm. And it's the same concept here. And that's why surrender is the first step. And then that's why you start with something very small, right? Like, so, you know, again, I wouldn't try to go start with something to surrendering to something that's very difficult right now. You can, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but start with small things, just like you're learning to play any sport. Like you wouldn't go play a professional if you're just learning, it wouldn't be any good, right? The same thing here. So that's why you can always start with the small stuff. You can practice surrendering to the weather and has again zero benefit and 100 cost when you fight the weather there's nothing you can do right it's tell that to my four-year-old goes, oh my gosh getting out of the house on a day where it's, it's raining, raining. and getting the right gear i know jeez <laughs> i know it's it's challenging that's part of it is like so you, the weather it's the driver in front of you it's the you know it's the little things like you know again the airplane not going the direction that you wanted to or your internet being cut out like it's all these little things that happen every day like the fact that you spilled something on your jeans or you couldn't find your outfit that you're looking for all those little things that literally mean nothing we're disturbing ourselves constantly and that's what that's why the buddha meant is like all of life is suffering because we're literally walking around creating this suffering over nothing that really matters anyways nothing i mean it's literally 99% of what people are suffering for has no difference. Like again, like we're not we're not talking like a divorce or a death or a bankruptcy and suffering. I'm talking about the everyday little moments. Like you literally are run you slept in a little bit. Now you're running late, and now you're irritated, and, and you couldn't find your why somebody left the toothbrush out. Like it's all those little things. Like it's it doesn't mean you can't change it or find different models or systems that are more effective. It just means why are you causing all of that? Because yeah. well, at some point, like. That is life though. That is the gift of life is the moment that you're actually in. And so when you're suffering, you're no longer in life. And then people wonder why they need, you know, they need vacations from themselves or they can't, they feel a level of inauthenticity or they, you know, they're, they're trying to, they just, people know there's, look, there's such a higher state that people can walk around with. Most people only know like their relatively good state, which I've heard described by many people as like a, if, if it's like a negative 10 is like the lo lowest and positive 10 is like a form of a higher, high, high state of consciousness. 
most people on their best day and their relative day are like a negative three. So again, like they move from a negative seven to a negative three, it feels like they just accomplished this. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm fully, I'm enlightened, right? I'm, maybe not that, but they're like, I feel great. And you do compared to a negative seven. When you're walking around 90% of the time at a negative seven or a negative eight, because you're causing suffering all the time, when you get what you want or avoid what you don't want, you go to a zero, even like a neutral state. You feel like it's the highest thing you've ever had. But if you listen to all of the masters who come before and they go, that's not even touching it. And that's the beauty about like the constant surrender will show you higher states that you can achieve while being in this world and playing with the world. This, you speaking, it reminds me of this experiment. Did you hear about this where it was like people watching a screen and they were watching basketball players toss the ball around and there were, one team was saying wearing red shirts and one team was wearing black shirts and they said, focus on all of the players in the red shir shirts passing the ball, count how many times they pass the ball. And then... So after the experiment, they say, how many times did they pass? Mm. And they say 10, whatever times. And yeah. then they say, did you see the gorilla? Yeah. And they say, what? Yeah, it's <laughs> right. And they That's didn't see exactly the gorilla. Right. Yes. And it's like, if you're always focusing on what's going on in your yes. mind in the inner monologue, like you're missing the gorilla and the yes. gorilla and everything else is the rest of life, you yes. know? That's, um, that's a great analogy. I do remember that. It's like the, when you see it, you're like, how did I ever miss that? Yeah. And if you would ask somebody if there's a gorilla in there, they would have sworn that they never saw a gorilla. Yeah. And it's the same exact same exact thing here, which is just once you once you stop paying attention to the mind and you well, once what'll happen first is that you start to realize how active the mind is. That's one of the first steps, right? Like you you actually start to realize, holy mackerel, I've been listening to this mind my entire life. And you realize how wrong it is it's, all the time. It's so sad, humbling. It, it is. And then it, then you realize the daunting task or wonderful task depending on how I want to look mm -hmm. at it of the work that has to be done to unwind this and I heard I don't remember which where it came from but somebody described that as it's like a it's like a spider that's been spinning its web for like a million years and that's like you're it's got to follow its way back out which is like your life's journey like so think about the, like the thread of spinning that for a million years of having to unwind that whole thing when I think about just this lifetime and how much web there is there yes. and then to add in past lifetimes i mean mm -hmm. it just seems incredible but the hope that i've also heard people say is that when you get on this path and you start surrendering yes. that it undoes massive amounts yes. yes so it's not like you have to follow the web back exactly. to the beginning you can kind of some of it may disintegrate or evaporate as you do the large chunks of it I think it all, I think it does. I mean, that's why, that's what, and by the way, that's you describing what to me really is like true spiritual growth, which is when something used to bother you, like a driver in front of you, the weather, the way somebody ate a cracker, your boss, whatever it is. And then it just no longer bothers you in the moment, by the way, you don't go, Oh, it's not bothering me. You're just not bothered. And so therefore you're dealing with the situation. And then later on, you'll come back and go, I did, that didn't bother me. It's wild. They used to bother me or more likely what has happened is like, if it used to bring you to a 10, it's going to bring you to an eight and then it brings you to a seven and then it brings you to a six. Everything is like, again, like it's like this natural process of shedding the skin. It takes time and it's natural. So don't force the shedding of the skin. Mm -hmm. Like a snake would never force its skin to shed. Just like you can't force this to happen further. Right. And you and I were actually last time when, with Hallie, we were chatting about that story about the individual right offline. Of, of like touching their heart and basically being right of like for how that went. And this is like, you know, he 
I think it was, is it? Yogananda. Yogananda. And his and teacher. Teacher. I forget that. Guys, yes. Um, but it's okay. But Yogananda was basically like, his teacher came and put his his foot on his heart and he could feel himself being pulled up into all this. And he's like, no, 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 I have to stay here. And, oh, no, that's the other one. Um, that's right. What's that? Krishna? Was it Rob? It was Robert Krishna. Yeah. And hit one of his students. Yes. But either way, the story is actually the same. Either Both of them were, again, around enlightened master teachers and they were they both when they were going through this were like i'm not ready yeah and so again that's when they both pulled back and said don't worry all in the right time and that was kind of the point of sharing the story it's the same thing with you like everyone who's in especially in business they go okay i'm on this path i want it done tomorrow you have to be ready because what can what people this the people then ask well what happens if you go too fast and you can point to individuals that have had what they call like a spiritual fracture which is the way i've been come to describe it is or, or hear from it to describe it is that there's so much energy that then fills your psyche that you're or it fills your your astral body your body so quickly that you're you can't physically handle the amount of energy and so it's overwhelmingly consuming so you end up on the park bench for three years like Eckhart Tolle did and he talks about that right he's like most people don't go through what I did and it's like all his deep depression went away in like an hour he woke up and he was like filled to the brim and didn't know how to handle it and so that's why the much much better process for, to be able to handle life and deal with life actually i had a teacher one time a tm teacher tell me they had a student so we were at a it was one of the weekend it wasn't a silent retreat but it was a meditational retreat that i was at and i said this is early on and this was probably 15 years ago 13 years ago and i was like how do i make this faster right like seriously i was like i want to go faster i'm just gonna meditate for another six more hours yes exactly <laughs> and he goes he goes that's fine we can do it over here but be careful that and he told me the story about he had a guy that was in that i forget his story necessarily and was he in business or not but he went and he actually had what and that's when he, they introduced him to the term spiritual fracture of a slight degree and came out of one of these like weekend the kind of experiences that they were doing he was actually with ramani maharshi who was teaching it in Fairfield, Iowa, and this is where it was. And the guy went through too fast and came out and he had this energy. He went back and he's like, I can't go. He's like, I couldn't, I can't operate in the world. So his family started falling apart. His business fell apart. And finally they actually got him back together, but it took many, it took like a couple of years for them to happen. So, so he actually, he's like, I saw it unfold. And, and he said, that's why it has to be a very natural process for all of us through this growth. So again, that's where you can say life won't give you anything that you won't be able to let go of, or at least in this moment, do the work that you can to let go. Yeah, I think that those type of stories are kind of, I mean, they're a little bit scary to hear about, but the comforting part is like it just happens naturally yes. and you just, your work is in the day-to-day -day work. It's yes. not in seeking these big spiritual yes. states. And it's not about hiding in life either. That's like yeah. the, I think a big, if we get anything kind of out of the 200% life book, one of the things that I really wanted to showcase is that to get rid of the, the stereotypical type of like to be a spiritual person, you don't need to walk around with long hair and a ponytail and in a white robe right like it's Ron does, so. Ron, yes yeah, exactly yeah. which is fine if that's what you want to do that's cool but like that's not what any of this is about right yeah. it's about in the middle of the work whatever work you're doing when you're bothered to let go of it it doesn't matter what you're doing that's it simple as that and that's why Eckhart Tolle always says he's like when he's in when he's in Starbucks people are like why are you here and he's like because I enjoy coffee right like it's like the, it's such a great example of that when people see somebody that's supposed to be in spirit supposed to be spiritual why would they drink? How come they're swearing? Right? I don't, you know, that's like one of the things people do. Like, it's just, and it's just, look, that's part of the human experience that they're just having. It has nothing to do with their inner experience that they're actually 
really truly working on. Um, I'm going to read yeah. the rest of that quote because I think it gets to what you're talking about here. But let it be clear right from the start, however, that this type of surrender does not mean living life without assertion of will. My story of these 40 years is simply the story of what happened when the assertion of will was guided by what life was doing instead of what I wanted it to be doing. My personal experience is that aligning one's will with the natural forces unfolding around us leads to some surprisingly powerful effects. Well, like, what, it, like, assertion of will, it sounds, to me, still trying to wrap my head around, like, it sounds a little vague, like, assertion of will. Yeah, yeah. I, um, and then this is, Michael Zinger, if you're listening, this is not a criticism by any means. I just have lots of questions. No, it is. I, that's that's part of it. There's always questions on this. Well, I, I think what it is is that you can, I think the will I would use is, like, making a decision. It's like you still make decisions, but you're making decisions that are guided from something different. Because look, I think what he's, to me, how I would interpret this is you're going to be making a decision one way or another. You're going to be making a decision from the lower self. Again, that's a decision. So when you're bothered, if you're irritated or angry, you're now making a decision in life from irritation. If you're, if you, you can also have the decision to make being guided by what created all of this, then you're making a decision. Which one gives you a better probability of being in the flow of life? Mm. That's really what it comes down to is assertion of will is a decision that you make. And again, but you're always going to make a decision, right? You're always making a decision. It's impossible not. If you say, I'm going to sit in bed, that's a decision, right? If you say, I'm going to renounce things, that's a decision. If I'm going to go fire this person or hire this person or yell at this person, or be angry at this person, that is a decision. So you're always making decisions. The, the, what they're getting to is like, where is the source coming from to help you make these decisions? One source is the lower self. Again, that's, it could be irritation, anger, jealousy. We've made up all these words. You just know what I'm talking about. Any energy that's off, that's disturbing, you can make it from there. On the other side, by the way, it could, you could also be making these decisions when you're, you're in, I would call it like when you're essentially very high, but from an inflated high of getting what you want. And an example that I always use in business is people have three good months in a row and they go out and buy a boat or a car or a new house. And then three months later, I always ask this question in a group. I go, how many people then go, what the hell was I thinking? Every person raises their hand. And I go, so that's the same thing. Cause three months later you go, why did I buy that? But in that moment you were so high falsely and that's why i saw it's like a it's a false serenity almost of what that of what that is because you feel like it's going to be forever and you're like oh, i'm just going to make decision or you you feel like that and you're in an interview and you hire the person or you take your company a different direction and it ends up being you you responded or made a decision from the higher energy hold on from a false sense of energy that was from the ego because again when you get what you want it feels good that energy flows up then you make a decision from the highness of that Vert, and that's still playing with a small subset over here in the corner versus you turn around and look and you have all of life creating everything. Which one, again, do you want to be making a decision based off of? So is the assertion of will internal, like saying basically I'm going to shift away from that reactive energy and making decisions from that place and I'm going to turn my attention and my focus using my willpower towards letting those things go so I can see more clearly? Like is the will largely internal yeah i think that the word willpower is a really interesting one i think there's that moment that you have right before you are about to actively choose to lose your willpower you know what i'm talking about everyone knows what I'm talking about. there's yeah. that moment 
where you have where it's like, if I engage with this lower energy, I'm no longer going to be in control. And you're not, by the way, and you're no longer in control. Now, to what degree that is changes based on the situation or the person. Somebody may take it to a point where they kill somebody. Somebody may take it to a point where they yell at their spouse or their kid or whatever it is. And you always come back to reality and go, I can't believe I did that. Right. But so you, there is that moment, though, that you have the choice to not engage with it. And that's you can refer to that as like one of the most magical moments in history because that is the moment where you go, I'm choosing will, right, to go into and step into that, or I'm choosing will to not step into that. And it, that's where willpower, if you will, in terms of what he's referring to, comes into play was it is in that moment that you have right there. I, I, I could argue something that I've always kind of thrown around a little bit is – where does that energy come from to give you that ability to say no to it? Is that really willpower or is it more, the more work you do, you're just being guided more by consciousness that's giving you more strength to say no to it. Mm. I'm not, I don't have the, I don't actually know the answer. Cause that's a, if you listen to someone like Sam Harris, who, who makes a, you know, claims of like, there is no willpower and he's not saying that you don't make decisions. He's kind of saying it like that. Like, okay, so you've had the decision to go out and play the piano 10,000 times ago, the, where did the energy come from? Is that really your will? Or is it, again, is it something larger that's, that's guiding it? And I actually tend to fall in line with that a little bit more of like, there is this life that's guiding it and this is more of life come into you. And so it feels like more willpower, but it's actually more of that guiding you. And it makes, and then again, it makes things easier to see. So there is no more willpower because you see it so clearly. And so I, that's, that's why I, so when I, was pausing on willpower there. That's kind of because I wanted to make sure I got that in there. Because to me, that seems like the more you let go of your ego, the more life is, which is always there, is guiding you, which gives you more strength in the more the right direction, which creates less internal stress, which then creates less ego. You're paying attention to it, which then creates a virtuous cycle of you leaning more into life to allow life to guide you while you're interacting with that decision. That is really helpful because I feel like that whole free will versus no free will or... I, yes. Yeah, the whole debate. Yeah, has been really perplexing for a while, and but that makes a lot of sense that you're yeah. creating space for life to come through. I'd love to actually get on a podcast with Sam Harris and talk about that because he's a brilliant thinker, whether you like him or don't like him. He brings a lot of cool concepts into the spirituality realm. But I'd love to have that dialogue with him to see see what he says. But so if you know Sam, make an introduction to us. It'd be great for that. So I don't know. I feel like we're kind of yeah we've covered a lot. But can before we wrap up, can we like ground this in some real life yes. examples? So do you have any that you want to dive oh, into one. specifically? Okay. So here's one. So a colleague asks you for help, but it's going to make your already busy week even more busy and even a bit hectic. Yes. Do you say yes? Do you surrender? Like, yeah. how do you handle Or So the answer is yes, you surrender. Yes. But can you break it down? Like, how do you surrender? And how? when is that point where the decision is clear? I think a lot of these cases and these questions, people are looking for the answer so they can feel good about their answer. Mm-hmm. And I think it's actually the opposite, which is I think is if you let go of that part that's even bothered by you thinking about the question, then it actually becomes clear as to what you need to do. So again, it's not an answer for people to grab and go, I need to go say yes to this. I think if anybody tells you that answer, they're, they're missing the deeper part of it because the actual genesis of any action that you're talking about here, when rubber has hit the road, like grounding this, 
is first let go of yourself. And if you, if you truly intently let go of yourself, if you truly let go, you will see what you should be doing. It'll, it'll, it'll be there. Adi Shati wrote that right in his retirement letter. If you read his 14 pages of his letter that he wrote there, it was very deep, but you know, he talks about that, that the decision of just, it's no longer, it's so clear. Yeah. And I, I think the clearer people get on there, it is. The other thing I would say is from a more practical standpoint, you're in a more busy week. Somebody's asking you for help. Maybe you just do say, why don't you just say yes and see where it takes you? I think that's where if and it does again, doesn't mean saying yes to everything, but if you have, I mean, you have a practical schedule, you understand the different things say yes. If people, cause people come up and say, well, I wanted to say yes. I said, well, say yes and see where it takes you. You can always, then it's one thing, right? Whatever the decision is or people, I actually heard Eckhart Tolle answer this well one time too. Maybe you've heard this one where somebody asked him in a live audience, there's same similar question. I've got all these different things. How do I say it? And he goes, well, clearly you are looking to go in this direction. So you should go, go in this direction. If it doesn't fully satisfy you, you should know that you went in the wrong direction. Mm. And it's basically being like, if you're not in a state, if like if, it, if you're not okay in six months from taking this action to what you need to do, then you realize that it was the ego thinking that by going to this new place or taking this new job would then make you feel okay. Mm. And then it doesn't mean that you have to move from there. It just means that, that you're now paying attention to what was actually guiding you. Yeah. So even if it's not the right moment in the decision, it's still the right moment moment for your or decision for your overall growth. I think the thing that sums it up is that your intent is more is more important than the actual decision. Meaning that if your intent is to truly let go of the part of you that's there and you're still making the decision and then you let go of the other part of you that was bothered by the wrong decision, if you just keep having that true intent that's there that intent will bring you way further and closer than anything else will. If your true intent is to let go of that part of you, that to really surrender to that part of you, and you keep using that as your basis, it'll fall, the pieces will come together, just like in his book. The pieces will promise you will come together. You just don't know how or why, but they will come together. Mm. If your intent is to figure out how you beat your mind, that's different. Or if the, if the intent is to figure out how I make the right decision so I can feel better in the moment or feel better about my life. That's different. Does that understand with intent? Like, so you have to really ask yourself, am I saying no to this because I really just don't want to do it? Or am I saying, and that'll make me feel better? Or am I saying yes to this because it's going to give me a sense of power? And that's why I'm saying yes to this. So it's not one or the other. Your intent has to be, I don't care about either one of those extreme cases. My intent is that this is gone. So it's not even an issue for me. And that's the intent that you work off of. So just what comes to mind for me personally is like, I feel like my schedule is full. So sometimes saying yes is, I mean, to let go of my personal preference around it, be like, all right, well, I'll just muster more energy this week and I'll push through it and I'll, but I, I, my intent would be to be helpful in this moment, but I, I well, it's not, it's not the intent about being helpful. I love yeah. that, but it's, yeah, sorry, you were going to say no, that. No, I know my intent's wrong. So can you yeah. show me? Who well, no, yeah. it's like, it's not about being helpful. Cause that's, again, you're now going off of an energy. Cause you're saying, if I go helpful, that'll make me feel better about not feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that if you go, I'm already practicing, the practicality is of my, the mechanical aspects of life. I don't have capacity to do that. Okay, great. So you just say no, but then you don't go, I should have said yes. I'm a helpful person. That's not part of who I am. Again, now you're suffering. Mm. So the if the intent is truly to let go of that self, the minute you make that decision, if that voice comes in there, you let that go too. 
So that's what I mean by the intent. If, or if you go and you said yes, and the whole time you're suffering the fact that I don't have time to do this, I don't do this, then now you're now you're suffering again. And either one of those decisions, you're saying yes or no. So that's why your intent, it's almost irrelevant what the decision is. The intent has to be that I'm going to first get clear. I'm going to let go of the part of me. I'm going to surrender to this, what we just described. And the decision comes out. And then I'm not going to suffer. It doesn't mean you can't change the decision. It just means that like I'm not no longer going to suffer while I'm waiting to go do this act or whatever it is that I'm doing. Because now you're out of the moment and missing the entire point of life. So it's committing to make that choice over and over and over again. Yes. And that's where they use like the pole star as an example, not even a north star or like your intent behind it. The Buddhists actually are really, really big on intent. Like their entire like ethos, if you will, well, I'm paraphrasing in my own experiences, both things that I've read and what that is, if they're underlying is they talk about working out the root, which is the intent of what you're doing. And that intent will bring you very, very far. All right. So let's expand this example a little bit, but all right. So let's say you're a CEO and a decision has been made by someone on your leadership team that you don't agree with. That's negatively impacting the company. How, how do you surrender yeah, I think yeah. the first thing is you're going to have to deal with the action. So it's the same thing as like you deal with yourself first and then you fight like hell to get rid of it and you change the situation. Again, it's never about not taking action next. So the first thing you do is, am I okay to handle the situation? But so that's the point is like making sure that you are in a situation where you are first clear and then dealing with the situation. The likely outcome, again, spirituality is never about changing what you're doing. It's about changing the part of you that's doing it. That's the intent part. So if your intent is to go, okay, well, in this situation you don't agree with any decision that you're going with the VP, then it's probably not in alignment. You need to let go, you need to let them go. Right. Or you need to leave one of the two, but you do that. You first get clear and then you handle that situation from a sense of, of surrender. If you go, what I ask people to do instead of, I love these questions. What I would do is start practicing the small. So again, the small things like all of a sudden your child asks you for two more minutes let go of that and then give them two more minutes and then don't bother yourself. I shouldn't be here. If your colleague asks for five more minutes and practically you can handle it, right? Like I'm talking about the things that won't matter in your life. Practice saying yes or no. It doesn't matter again, which one, and then just letting go of the, the, the dialogue that happens after you make a decision. That's where the, that's where that'd be the first place to start here. And if you do that, that'll take you on your way.